Psalm 105. Now, this is a longer psalm and um, 45 verses. So hang in there with me. Give thanks to Yahweh, call on his name, make his doings known among the people, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his marvellous works, glory in his holy name. Let the heart of those who seek Yahweh rejoice. Seek Yahweh and his strength, seek his face forevermore. Remember his marvellous works that he has done, his wonders and the judgments of his mouth. You offspring of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is Yahweh, our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He has remembered his covenant forever, the word which he commanded to a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, and confirmed to Jacob for a statute, to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying, To you I will give the land of Canaan, the lot of your inheritance. When they were but a few in number, yes, very few, and foreigners, they went about from nation to nation, from one kingdom to another people. He allowed no one to do them wrong. Yes, he reproved kings for their sakes. Don't touch my anointed ones. Do my prophets no harm. He called for a famine on the land. He destroyed the food supplies. He sent a man before them. Joseph was sold for a slave. They bruised his feet with shackles. His neck was locked in irons until the time that his word happened and Yahweh's word proved him true. The king sent and freed him, even the ruler of peoples, and let him go free. He made him lord of his house and ruler of all his possessions to discipline his princes at his pleasure and to teach his elders wisdom. Israel also came into Egypt. Jacob lived in the land of Ham. He increased his people greatly and made them stronger than their adversaries. He turned their heart to hate his people, to conspire against his servants. He sent Moses, his servant, and Aaron, whom he had chosen. They performed miracles among them and wonders in the land of Ham. He sent darkness and made it dark. They didn't rebel against his words. He turned their waters into blood and killed their fish. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the rooms of their kings. He spoke, and swarms of flies came, and lice in all their borders. He gave them hail for rain, lightning in their land. He struck their vines, and also fig trees, and shattered the trees of their country. He spoke, and the locusts came, with the grasshoppers, without number, ate up every plant in the land, and ate up the fruit of their ground. He struck also the firstborn in their land, the first fruits of all their manhood. He brought them out with silver and gold. There was not one feeble person among the tribes. Egypt was glad when they departed, for the fear of them had fallen on them. He spread a cloud for a covering, fire to give light in the night. They asked, and he brought quails, and satisfied them with the bread of the sky. He opened the rock, and waters gushed out. They ran as a river in dry places, for he remembered his holy word, and Abraham, his servant. He brought his people out with joy, his chosen with singing. He gave them the land of the nations. They took the labor of the peoples in possession that they might keep his statutes and observe his laws. Praise Yah. So that was a longer psalm and the second of four historical psalms. Now what we mean by that is that there are these four psalms 
Was there four or three? Yeah, no, there were four. I thought there were four. Um, there were four historical psalms which basically tell the story of how the Israelites from Abraham came all the way through into the Promised Land. And the first one of those was in Psalm 78, first historical psalm. This is the second, Psalm 105. The third is the very next chapter, Psalm 106, and the fourth will be Psalm 136. And all of these are longer psalms telling the story of what God has done. I'm pretty sure Psalm 136 is very long from memory. <laughs> and um, looking forward to getting to that one. And so this psalm goes through the history of Israel, how God chose Abraham, but this psalm's very positive. If you know the history of Israel, you know there are ups and downs all along the journey. You know there are plenty of times when the people of Israel do things that are wrong and God has to deal with them. He gets cranky, he sends prophets, he warns them, all sorts of stuff goes on. You don't see any of that. None of the failings of the people are in this. It's all purely positive. It's all God did this, God did this, God did this, and it's completely correct. <laughs> so it's a psalm of praise. It's a, a historical psalm of praise because it accounts the history of what God's done and how if God has a promise for you, he knows how to fulfill his promise. He will bring it about. The next psalm, 106, which we'll do tomorrow, is another historical psalm very different to this one. We'll get, you'll see how that's very different tomorrow. But let's just go through a few verses. <coughs> so it says here that God um, called Jacob for statute and confirmed a covenant with Israel. If you think about how God chose Abraham, how random that was. Here's this one guy living in a polytheistic world thousands of years ago, it's, he, he, it's, it's like he's just picked a guy. And um, he says to this guy, I'm going to give you descendants and I'm going to give to you and your descendants this land. And yet the very guy he chooses can't have children. So God, God does it things the strangest way of all. You know, you would think or I would think that God would look around the world, he would pick the person with the most resources, the person with the, the most money or the most power, or the most influence, and he would get them and you know he'd do it some kind of like other, but no, God picks a person, says he's gonna be the father of many nations and he can't even have kids. <laughs> and He's just like this random guy in Babylon of all places. Babylon is the place all the way through the Bible which is, is, is like the bad place. It's like the place you don't want to go. It's, you know, whenever you're going to insult someone, you'd call them, you know, children of Babylon or something like that. And so God does things very differently, and yet he does it so well. So he proceeds to take Abraham, who can't have kids, but out of this guy with, who can't have, this childless guy, he brings the nations. He brings... The, you know, the son of Abraham, technically, Israel is Jesus. The seed of Abraham comes out of that line. God does all these incredible things. He says to him, I'm going to give you the land of Canaan, but he doesn't get it for 400 years. And meanwhile, they go through all this craziness with being in slavery and everything, and yet God is so faithful. He says, don't touch my anointed ones. That's verse 15. And, but of course the Egyptians do. The Egyptians touch his chosen people 
and then the Egyptians end up being punished. There's a whole bunch of verses through here about how he sent locusts on the land, grasshoppers without number. He even struck their firstborn. So all the plagues get recounted here. And so the Lord brings his word to pass and he's faithful about bringing it true. In uh, verse 19, he talks about Joseph. Now in verses 17 and 18, it says that Joseph was sold for a slave. And then verse 19, it says, until the time that his word happened and Yahweh's word proved him true. Um, Joseph's one of the most remarkable people in the Bible. We did talk about him back in the book of Genesis. Joseph seems to have no hint of bitterness, resentment, regret, offense, hatred, nothing. He seems to be someone that despite all that happened to him, just carried a pure heart and was upright, full of integrity. And, and it says that he was thrown into slavery until the time that God's word was proven true. So God does things sometimes beyond our understanding or our expectation. The whole history of Israel is full of it. Like picking Abraham, like I said, for example, taking Joseph, throwing him into slavery, giving them a, promising them a land, but not give it, giving it to them for 400 years. All of these types of things show us that God acts in great ways, but often very different to how we think. If Joseph had a bad attitude, or if he had not had faith or trust in the Lord, he may never have gotten out of that slavery. He may have stayed there. And I think the point to realize is when we don't place our trust in the Lord and we don't cling to his promises, sometimes we actually remain in the difficult place that we've... So the Lord allows us to go into difficult places, but always intending to bring us out. But when our trust is taken away from the Lord, we risk remaining in the difficult place. It didn't happen for Joseph because he kept trusting. We need to too. And I think the whole of this Psalm 105 is very much showing us that God is a God of his word, a God who keeps his promises. And when you know the history of Israel, you know how difficult it was and how up and down it was like a roller coaster, very much so. And yet this Psalm shows us that God remembered his word to Abraham, his servant. That's verse 42. But right at the beginning when God said to Abraham he would do certain things, we see all these hundreds of years later, whenever this psalm was written, which was, a, if, if this psalm was written at the time of David, then we're talking um, from, you know, Abraham through to David, it's more than 400 years. Uh, when was Abraham? When was he? He was, he would have been 1200s-ish, 1200s-ish, 1800s-ish BC. Yeah, so more 800 years from Abraham through to David, if that's when this psalm was written. And so God remembers his holy word. And so if God's given you a promise, Graham Cook, a preacher from England, a very interesting guy to listen to and has so many fascinating stories, he says that God's promises are like money in the bank. He says when God has given you a promise, it's like something you can bank on. Now, we often don't think about God's promises like this at all. Graham Cook's really clear on it. And if you struggle with faith or you struggle with believing God's promises, you should listen to Graham a fair bit because he's just so clear on it. And he was I, I've listened to him a few times over the years. I probably digested 10 or 20 of his messages. And I remember a story he told once about uh, another preacher, and maybe I've got the story a bit wrong, but it was something like a, a, a preacher he knew or another fellow man in ministry and he, there was a prophetic word that came for this man one day. 
that said, um, the Lord's called you to, you know, A, B, C, D, E, and you're going to do all of this. And you're, you know, effectively, you're going to live a life and serve the Lord and achieve all these things is a really encouraging word. And then a few weeks later, this guy got diagnosed with, you know, like fatal cancer and he only was given six months to live or something like that. And this fellow in ministry goes to Graham and says, Graham, um, I thought the Lord was... <laughs> I thought the Lord was saying I was going to do all these things, but now look what's happened. And Graham was saying to this guy, he says, which word are you believing? Are you believing the promise of the Lord or are you believing the words of a doctor? He said, why do you think God gave you that promise? God gave you the promise because he knew the words of the doctor were going to come along in a few weeks and you needed these words. So in Graham's mind, the words of the Lord, what God says, it's the unshakable word. It's the money that you can bank on. The other word is the word that can be questioned and doubted. Whereas what we tend to do is we tend to believe the word of a human being and then as a result, then doubt God's words. Because this psalm says, God remembered his holy word to Abraham, his servant, and hundreds of years later, he brought it to pass. At any point through those hundreds of years, I am sure there were doubts, but yet the Lord did not forget. So in your life, there may be, promises and things you believe that the Lord is saying to you, what are you going to do about them? I would suggest taking the Lord up on his word and saying, Lord, I'm treating your word like something I can rely upon completely and start thanking him for it and see it come about. Lord, thank you for Psalm 105. Thank you for the unshakable power of God. Thank you for the unquestionable, Lord, ability for you to stand on your word and bring it to pass. Thank you that you've given us promises and I pray that you'd bring them out today, that we would see the fulfillment of them. In Jesus' name, amen.